something is I've become a little more mature. And my wife walks by me and laughs. <laughs> Boy, I just blew the whole start of the message. I don't know where to go from here. Well, I actually have learned something as I've become older, maybe is a better word. And it's kind of earth-shattering. You might even call it life-changing. And what I've learned, some of you are going to be shocked by this, is that the older you get, the more things hurt. <laughs> earth-shattering news, right? We've got more aches and pains. Our bodies don't work the same. Knees and shoulders need to be replaced. Ligaments go sprawling. Arthritis not only hurts, it keeps our hands and our whatever from working the way they should. Our eyesight gets weaker. Our heart, our lungs, and kidneys don't work as well as they once did. I know many of us have senior moments you know, senior moments when our minds short circuits. I just about had one there. I was right in the middle of saying something to you, and I forgot what I was going to say next. It's kind of a senior moment. We have those things. And I would just simply call this the joy of aging. Some nods. Pretty much quiet on that one. It really is a blessing, but it, of course we probably would also agree that the joy of aging is a curse because we hate the pains that are associated with aging sometimes. And yet, if you think about it, longevity, a long life, gives us the opportunity to impact more people for Christ. And it gives us the opportunity to pour into somebody's life or a group of people's life over a long haul, over many years. As we get, as we get older, hopefully we gain wisdom. We gain the ability to influence others and to be used in discipling others. And so... We thank God for this life he's given us. Even though there are pains and, and trials, we thank God. And you know what else we do? We thank God for medicine. God gave us intelligent people who have developed all these really great medicines. And I actually want to go over here for a second because um, I had another senior moment. I had my bag of medicine here, and I left it in my other bag. But I brought a few of my medicines with me this morning. Well, I'll start out with this one. I've got ibuprofen here. This is, a, of course, a, non, a non-prescription medicine, but it helps us with our aches and pains. It also can help us when our head hurts. I've discovered when I think too hard that my head hurts. It hurts a lot, so I must really be thinking hard. Let's see what else I got in here. Oh, this, one, this one's a good one. This one, I can't pronounce this one. It's azelastine, I think is how it's pronounced. I call it acetylene. I'm a chemist. Acetylene, it really isn't acetylene, but it's good for your, for your um, sinuses and that when you have trouble breathing. And if that doesn't work, I've got another one in here. It's a really fun one. I've got to read this one, because I, I, and I practiced saying this one this morning. Fluticasone propionate. Fluticasone, can you guys say that with me? Fluticasone propionate, better known as Flonase. It's another good one for helping us breathe. There was one I didn't bring with me this morning. It's another over-the-counter one that I use for my sinuses. It's called fexofenadine. Anybody know what the common name for fexofenadine is? Allegra? Is it Allegra or is it Claritin? It's Allegra. See, I had that wrong. I'm glad I asked. And then finally, I got one last one. I just started taking this one a year or two ago. It's simvastatin. I'm taking a statin now because my cholesterol is high. Um, it's worked, but 
it's rough to have to admit that you need to take something like that. But all those prescriptions, and many that you probably take too, they provide a therapeutic benefit. And that benefit could be the ability to breathe. It could be lowering our blood pressure. It could be freedom from pain. It could be making our heart work better. It could be giving us lowering our cholesterol so our veins and arteries don't get clogged up as much. And if you think about it, modern medicine truly has not only lengthened our lives, but it's also improved the quality of life. But I think all of us would know, even, even the younger ones, that no medicine is perfect. No medicine works 100% of the time. I know some of you have migraines. My wife has migraines. And you know that taking a pill doesn't always get rid of your migraine. It certainly doesn't immediately. And then the other thing about medicine is, is there's often bad side effects. You know, if you've seen a commercial for a prescription med on TV, they, they list like three or four amazing benefits that the thing does. And then it seems like they list the next five minutes of 20 or 30 things that can go wrong when you take that medicine. So there's side effects. Not every medicine works all the time. And there isn't a medicine actually for every life problem we encounter. For example, I've thought about this. Wouldn't it be great if there was a peace pill? Wouldn't it be great if you could get up in the morning and pop a peace pill and be at peace? But we all know that life gets busy. Last week, Pastor David reminded us that busyness can actually steal our joy. Busyness can also lead to anxiety. It can lead to worry sometimes, and both of those are great peace destroyers. So busyness not only can rob us joy, but it can also steal our peace. And so it would be great if we could just buy or get a prescription or a pill and have peace. The fact of the matter is, though, there is a way to peace. It doesn't cost any money. It's not as difficult as you might think. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this life that you've given us. We thank you that you've given us work to do. We thank you that you put challenges in front of us that, that give us the opportunity to rely on you and to overcome and to see you at work in our life. We thank you, Father, for the, the people that you've put in your, our lives. And yet, Father, we must confess that, that all these good gifts from you can become the, the source of our anxiety. They can rob us of peace. And so, Father, we just ask that you would help us trust in you. Give us a faith to cast our burdens on Jesus. We ask for peace, your peace, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you haven't been here the last couple weeks, um, you're catching up in a series that we just started. It's called The Fruit of the Spirit. We read the, the passage from Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And that first week, we looked at love, and we said that God is the source of love, and Jesus modeled love, and that when you and I love other people, people see God. Then last week, Pastor David talked about joy, and, and what, a couple things really struck me about his message is that he talked about how having to experience joy, we have to take this head knowledge that we have about Jesus, and it has to transfer to our heart. Our heart has to be changed to experience joy. We also choose joy. And Pastor David took, a, took that even a little further and said, actually, more than just choosing joy, we need to pursue joy. And love and joy and the other fruit of the Spirit that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks are actually character traits. Character traits speak to, to who you and I are as people. 
what we believe in our heart shows in how we live. It shows in our character. The fruit of the Spirit confirms that God's alive in us. I mean, think of it this way. If a tomato plant is alive, it's going to produce fruit. It's going to place, produce tomatoes. And I did look it up that a tomato is actually a fruit and a vegetable, so we're good on that. But if we're walking in Christ, it's going to show in our character. But we talked about a couple weeks ago how that doesn't happen overnight. See, our, our character is cultivated over time through faith with the Holy Spirit working inside us. And I also said this a couple weeks ago, but it needs to be said again because it's important, I think. As we go through this series and study the fruit of the Spirit, please don't get discouraged. Instead, be encouraged. God isn't finished with any of us yet. We can all grow. We can all become a little more Christ-like every single day. As the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident in our lives, we then in turn use that to disciple other people. And we produce God-given fruit. And so with that kind of short review, this morning we're going to talk about peace. And I think most of us would agree that peace is a desperately needed fruit of the Spirit. We lack peace. We struggle to find peace. We want that peace pill. And peace is kind of complex. Theologian uh, Christopher J.H. Wright pointed out that in the Bible there are, it mentions several different types of peace. One of the, the first ones is the peace with God. Peace with God. And this is the peace that we've been given through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 tells us that once we were far away from God, our relationship with God had been broken by our sin, by our rebellion against God. You know, to rebel against God is just to not live the way he calls us to live, and that's sin. And it takes all different forms. It could be lust. It could be greed. It could be pride or laziness or just outright defiant disobedience or gossip or anger or just worshiping our stuff instead of God. And we're all guilty. And we can't save ourselves. And that's why we need Jesus. And dying on the cross and rising from the dead, Jesus gave us peace with God. Ephesians 2.8, Paul wrote this. He said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Peace, peace, the peace of God is a gift that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And then a second form of peace in the Bible is the peace of God. When we belong to Jesus, God provides a peace that is mind-blowing. And then a third form of peace in the Bible is the peace that God calls for. See, you and I are called to be peacemakers. Well, this morning, we're just going to look at one of those. We're just going to look at the peace of God, the second form of peace that we talked about. And this is the peace of mind that you and I can experience through Christ. And this peace is often most visible in providing freedom from anxiety and its cousin worry. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, provides the prescription for such peace. 
If you've got your Bible, you might want to open it up to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, or pull it up on your, your, phone, uh, your phone app, or it's also in the message outline in your bulletin there. Many of us, probably all of us, suffer from a peace deficiency. And the problem is the result of our anxiety. We've already talked about that. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything. Very straightforward statement. Very sound teaching. Do not be anxious about anything. And yet, we can read those words and we can think in our mind, you know what? Easy for you to say. You don't know my life. Well, the fact is, the Apostle Paul had many reasons to be anxious. When he wrote the letter to the church at Philippi, Paul was under house arrest in Rome. Paul didn't know if he was going to live the rest of his days in prison, be freed, or perhaps even be executed for his faith. And yet Paul could write, do not be anxious about anything. Of course, I think we all have our own personal list of anxiety sources. It could maybe be the the boss that we work with, or the pressure of the job itself, or maybe our health is starting to fail and the doctors can't seem to, to fix it could be our kids or our grandkids are going off the rails. They just won't listen to us. There might be struggles with friends or with family. You know, they drive us nuts. And some of them are just so darn needy. And we just wonder why they can't grow up. Or maybe a source of anxiety anxiety simply comes back to being overwhelmed by the busyness of life. I want to share an anxiety that I'm familiar with, and maybe some of you are as well, is that we, we said something or we did something that just didn't turn out right. Our intentions were good. The results, eh, not so good. And we can't go back and change it. And we worry about the consequ- consequences. We get anxious that we've done damage to a relationship or to another person or to our own integrity. The fact is, regardless of the source of our anxiety, anxiety is one of those things that preys on our mind. It loves to attack in the middle of the night. For me, it attacks at 2 a.m. I was actually talking to somebody between services, and they said, Mark, my time's 3 a.m. Whatever time it is, we're sleeping, and we wake up, and all of a sudden we're just filled with dread. And we can't fall back to sleep. Our mind's going 1,000 miles an hour. And, and we might even realize as we're laying there that this is ridiculous. Our thoughts are irrational. We know we're going to wake up in the morning. It's not going to be that big of a deal. But you know what? At 2 or 3 or 4 in the morning, it's a big deal. Anxiety robs us of sleep. And when you start losing sleep, you start losing your peace. There's a remedy. We mentioned there is a prescription for peace. See, when it comes to medical prescriptions, a lot of them got complex scientific names like fexofenadine or naproxen or fluticasone propionate. But we know them most of the time by their common names. Allegra, Aleve, Flonase. But similarly, there's actually a prescription for peace that's got kind of a complicated name. It's Irene Theos. Irene Theos. It sounds impressive. 
but I've probably mispronounced it because my Greek's not very good. But Irene is the Greek word for peace. And theos, of course, is the Greek word for God. And so the prescription for our anxiety is the peace of God. In Philippians 4, right after Paul told us, you know, don't be anxious about anything, he directed his attention to what is involved in experiencing the peace of God. And if you read through his words, they sound a little bit what you might see on a prescription bottle. The first thing about the peace of God is it's to be applied daily. Paul wrote, in every situation. If you want God's peace, you need to apply the remedy, and you need to apply it in every situation. You need to apply it daily. You know, I was a kid. I had a real bad case of athlete's foot, and my foot itched. My skin was raw. It was gross. And so my mom, I complained enough, my mom took me to the doctor, and the the doctor prescribed a medicine. And I went home that day, and I started using that medicine immediately. But over the next few days, there was one problem. I forgot to put it on. I didn't use it every day. And several weeks later, I was back at the doctor with, guess what, the same problem. And I remember this next part of the story like it was yesterday. The doctor asked, he said, Mark, have you been using the medicine I gave you? Have you been applying it? And, and I, I don't know how old I was, but I sheepishly replied, well, sometimes, but not every day. And what happened next is what's really caught my attention. My doctor, who was a very mild-mannered, grandfatherly type of guy, raised his voice in obvious frustration. And he sternly said, Mark, if you don't take the medicine, how do you expect it to work? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? From that day forward, you can bet that I applied that medicine every day. And amazingly, my athlete's foot went away. And that's true of all medicines. But it also applies to life. It also applies to peace. If we want the peace of God, we have to follow the directions on the prescription, and we need to apply it daily. We need to apply it in every situation. And Paul doesn't just leave us there. The rest of Philippians 4, 6 actually tells us how to apply that remedy. We start with prayer in every situation by prayer and petition. The New Living Translation of the Bible says it this way, pray about everything. Now this morning, the, or this afternoon, I should say, the kids are leaving for King's Kids Camp. And our volunteer staff, some of them that attend this service, or went down to camp yesterday. Before they go to bed at camp, they do something called candle time. It's something we also do on our Wednesday night programs here at church. And candle time is a time to talk to God. And candle time is powerful. It's a time of prayer. And I think it's especially powerful at camp because by the time the kids are getting ready for bed at camp, they are tired. And they are too tired to be cool. And their defenses are down. And during candle time, they pour out their hearts. And sometimes those prayers are about big things. Family problems. Trouble at school. Maybe a dying relative and and so on. And other times they might pray for a pet. It could be the family dog, a cat, a fish, a bird, or a lizard. 
They might simply pray that they could have a good day tomorrow or that maybe they'd be a little less homesick. And all those prayers, all those prayers are precious. God hears them. Nothing is too small for God. Nothing's too big for God. God wants you and I to talk to him. Paul says take everything, not just the big stuff, not just the things that we think God wants us to, to, God wants us to say to him. No, he says take everything. We're taking everything to the Lord in prayer. And as you and I pray, God pours out his healing on our anxiety. God's peace starts to fill the deepest recesses of our life where that anxiety sits and it festers. Paul goes then even a step further. He tells the Philippians and us how to pray. He said, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. No matter how tough your life gets, no matter how anxious we get, no matter how much we have to worry about, we've all got reason to be thankful. What I'm going to say next is really important. I want to share some words of truth. These are some words of truth that many of you have heard so many times, but I don't want you just to hear them. I want them to penetrate your soul. Starts off with this. God loves you. God loves the creator of the universe loves each of you. He loves me. The God who gave you breath, who knew you before you were conceived in your mother's womb, who has seen you at your best, but has also seen you at your worst. He still loves you. And nothing can change it. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And if you've put your trust in Jesus, you know that you've been forgiven. You've been restored. Only God can heal a broken heart. Only Jesus can rebuild a life that's been shattered to pieces. You know, God doesn't always take away our pain. We know that. We talk about that a lot, but he will carry us through it. He will hold us close on the darkest nights. And when the world seems against us, remember that Jesus is for us and Jesus wins because you know what Jesus always wins. And God's got you this far. He'll get you the rest of the way. I know it. I've seen it in your lives. I've seen it in the lives of others. We have reason to be thankful. And then there's something amazing that happens when we start giving thanks on a regular basis. God changes our perspective. And our anxieties begin to fade away. It's amazing. It's wonderful. But there's one last step for our daily prescription, and it comes by asking. Paul said, In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. But sometimes we forget to pray, sometimes we forget to ask. Some of us think that we can handle things on our own. We got it under control, so we don't want to bother God with it. You know, I'm one of those people that struggle with control. I, I want to control my life. I have plans, and I hope God agrees with them because they're really good. Sometimes I try to control the, the lives of people around me, and I, and I rationalize it. I rationalize it this way. You know, I don't worry about things that I 
can't control. If I can't control it, I don't worry about it. I worry about the things that I can control. And that sounds really reasonable. But there's a huge problem. I greatly overestimate what I can control. All I can control basically is my attitude and my effort. I can't control the results. I can't control what happens. I can't control other people. And if you're like me, we need to let go. We need to trust God. We need to turn control over to Him because He's got it anyway. And when we do that, we ask God for peace. And He will give it. You know, there's there's a therapeutic benefit that we receive from God's prescription. It is a mind-blowing benefit peace. Paul put it this way, he said, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace given by God, it transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense. We can't explain it. We can't fully understand it. It is mind-blowing. And there's something amazing about that piece. It's been called a silent witness to Jesus Christ. Let me, let me put it this way. You know, we've all seen somebody who's in a terrible storm of life. They've got so many reasons that they should be anxious, that they should be worried. But for some strange reason, strange reason they're not anxious. They have peace. It's the peace of God who guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And when people see that peace, they want it. And when people see that peace in us, it sometimes opens the opportunity to tell them our source of peace. And we can tell them about Jesus. We may want it, but there really is never going to be a peace pill And that's because peace doesn't come from a pill. It comes from a person. It comes from Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we have the mind-blowing peace that surpasses all understanding. We trust in Him. We pray. We're thankful. We ask God to help us. And if we do that over time, the peace of God actually becomes part of our character. And we can experience a little more of God's peace every day.